People ask, okay, why, why just two songs? Um, you know, just kind of getting into it. Why, is this, why did we cut it off so quick? Um, why are you up here already? That they get fearful this is going to be a super long sermon. <laughs> um, we do this in, intentionally. We, we want um, not to use worship as a means, uh, worship through song as a means of like making it through a sermon. But we believe that the Lord most clearly, most often, most regularly speaks through His Word. And so as we dive into his word this morning, we trust that he'll speak, that he'll reveal, that he'll work, that he'll move, and then we want to worship in response to what he's revealed this morning. And so we save the bulk of, of our corporate singing and worship for after the sermon for that reason, because we, we want to honor him for what he's done this morning. Um, so typically what we're doing at Redeemer is we're working our way through a book, just kind of chapter by chapter um, over the course of multiple weeks and, and months if necessary. Um, we finished 1 Corinthians in November, um, and we will pick up a new book next week, the first Sunday of January. And, and so for the month of December, what we have done is we've walked through the six kind of core values that we have as a church. Um, that we want to be um, reflective of the community, that we want to be missional, that we want to be gospel-centered, that we want to be plural in our leadership, that we want to be generous, and that we want to be simple. Just kind of this reminder of, of where in Scripture these come from and, and why we want to be marked by these things. And so as we've covered those six, this morning we're going to have kind of one final message that goes along with that, and it's really going to be looking at an activity that incorporates all of those things all six core values in, in one activity. And, and what that is, is hospitality, all right? So we're going to look at the idea of biblical hospitality this morning. And here's how, even just briefly, how each of the core values are going to play themselves out in this. First off, we want to be hospitable to everyone, right? So regardless of who's in Pampa, we don't get to pick who's here or who's not here, but we want to be hospitable to whoever the Lord brings to our community so that we can be reflective of our community. Um, that ultimately, hospitality is a really simple action. It's doing something you're already doing in your home. You're going to eat anyway. You're going to have people in your home with your family anyway, and it's including folks in that. It's a simple thing. It shouldn't really be too much of an add-on. Um, that we want hospitality to be infused and, and focused on and because of the gospel, so that we're gospel-centered. Um, that we want to be generous, and hospitality obviously is a way to be generous, and it's a way to be on mission, to be pursuing our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, those around us. And then interesting, the, the idea that we want to be plural in leadership, hospitality is actually a qualification if you want to be an elder, right? It is a qualification that an elder be hospitable. And we'll look at that more here in a little bit. So why is this even an issue? Um, so we live in an area, super friendly, but I think for most of us in, in a place where we can walk into United or the Plaza and people call you by name and they shake your hand and they talk about your day for a minute or, or you do, you know, the West Texas nod as you're walking through the parking lot, which means don't talk to me right now, but I do see you, right? <laughs> like as we, as we do those things, um, we, we feel and believe that we, we're just, we're friendly, right? Because you can walk in a place and know literally 50% of the people in the room. And yet I think for many of us, we live in a friendly place and we don't often have a lot of friends. We don't really involve ourselves in, in people's lives. And one of the interesting things when we planted Redeemer seven and a half years ago was people said, I don't know that I understand the difference in what we're talking about here. 
And then what we found was they're like, man, I didn't realize I didn't have friends until we started planting a church together. And when I saw what it really looked like to have life with other people, to share life and to not just know their name and to be friendly to them, not just to like them, but to want to, to live life with them. And so we live in a culture where new neighborhoods are often built um, with the driveways in the backyard and the alley, right? So that you have even less reason to wave at a neighbor, right? You, you pull in, and it's like, I don't even have to see people, right? I just pull into my garage, I put it down, I walk in the house, and I batten down the hatches, right? That we've moved from a front yard culture to a backyard culture. That our tendency is to, to really, is to kind of remove people from our lives unless we really want them in. And yet, Scripture, and I want to look at, at three here. The first is Romans 12, verse 13. Paul's writing at the end of his letter to the Romans, and, and the heading in a lot of your, your Bibles will be the marks of a true Christian. But, but listen to what he says in verse 13 of chapter 12. Contribute to the needs of the saints. So he's like, you know, give to the church, give to, the help, to help the believers, and seek to show hospitality. And seek to show hospitality. All right, if we go over to Hebrews 13, verses 1 and 2, let brotherly love continue, and do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And then if we go over to 1 Peter chapter 4, as Peter now is writing to the church, he writes this in, in 1 Peter 4 verse 9. Sorry, I'll start in verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, and show hospitality to one another without grumbling. You'll notice that in all of those, it says to show hospitality to strangers, show hospitality to the church, show hospitality without grumbling. There are no qualifiers. He's not writing to specifically um, the leadership. He's not writing specifically to women. He's writing to the church. And we know that he's not writing just to women because if we look in Titus 1 or if we look in, in 1 Timothy 3 verse 2, where there are a list of qualifications for church leadership for elders, both of them require that an elder be hospitable. And so we see that, that Scripture considers this a really important mark of a believer, that they want their leaders to be known for their hospitality and that we are called to be a hospitable people. And so what I want us to do this morning is to look at what it is, what is hospitality and also what it isn't. And that's where we're going to start And so to clarify, I just want to say this, it's not entertaining people, okay? Now, you may use the word, you know, we're entertaining the bucks this evening, right? Like, you may say that, but what we want to do is to make sure that when we say that, what we mean is hospitality, right? Because entertaining tends to be this, it tends to be a desire to impress, right? That you, you bring folks over and you pull out your best and you cook a meal that you don't regularly cook, and you have a table set differently, right? For many of us as we grew up, you knew that your folks were entertaining, right? Because it looked different than it normally did, right? The table setting was different. The attitude was different. The atmosphere was different. And you knew somebody's coming over, right? And often it, it, often it could be a little bit um, stuffy, a little formal, um, maybe sometimes a little forced if it wasn't family or close friends, and so, as a kid, maybe you didn't love, right, that folks were coming over. 
And so entertaining tends to look at people and say, how do we draw, right, like how do we draw some attention to what we've done so that when people leave, they're impressed by what we've done. Hospitality, here's the difference. When we look at hospitality over entertaining, hospitality, the focus isn't on self, it's on others, right? It's not looking to impress or to be known, it's looking to serve. It's looking to know needs and to meet needs. The, the atmosphere shouldn't be maybe formal or stuffy, it should be comfortable, right? It should feel like home, it should feel like family, because often when we're entertaining, we're so focused on the next thing we need to do, the next thing we need to pull out of the oven, the next thing that we have to make sure is right, we're not actually even available. We're not present. Because we're so focused on the evening going well. In hospitality, we're available. Right? Like, we're there. We're present as to what is going on. And so, listen, it doesn't, like, hospitality doesn't mean that it's always, like, not good food and cheap, right? Or that it's not done well, can be done well, but there's a difference in, in focus and in attitude as, as to what is the point of what is taking place. That ultimately, here's what hospitality is doing. It's telling someone, I want you to feel welcomed. I want you to feel loved. I want you to feel wanted. And that they would leave better off than when they arrived. That there would be a tangible difference. See, listen, biblical hospitality, actually, the focus is on loving the stranger. It's loving the outsider. It's loving the one that is different than us. And so, biblical hospitality does mean, hey, hey, love each other. We're supposed to love one another. But it goes beyond that, because even unbelievers will love those who are like themselves, right? Those who agree with them, those who think like them. Biblical hospitality goes out and says, who's the stranger, Who's the one that's not like me? Who's the one that thinks differently, votes differently, believes differently? And how can I bring them into my home and still that they will feel welcomed and loved and wanted? That they'll leave better than they arrived. I feel like I, I got to grow up seeing this. Um, my grandparents had a, had a cattle ranch in Oklahoma. And you could not show up at their home where there wasn't someone that you're going, who is that? Right, like you look back at family photos and it'd be like Thanksgiving or Christmas and, and like we're going, who is that? Right, and it was somebody from work or it was a neighbor. It was like, it, they, there was just always someone there, right? Sometimes a little bit shady, right? But there was always someone there. They always, at Christmas, they had other extra gifts under the tree just because they knew somebody was coming by. Right, just in case someone showed up. Like the, their home like had this beacon on it that just drew people in. Like if someone's car was gonna break down, it was gonna happen in front of their ranch, right? Like it was just like the Lord like just had this tractor beam pulling people into their home. So I grew up seeing that and like and, and loving that, right? That people felt welcomed and wanted. They wanted to be there. And they felt ministered to, and sometimes the meals were fancy and sometimes they were super simple. That not everyone agreed about everything. Church, we need a place to belong. We need to have a place where we are lovingly included. So hospitality is a place for us to do this. Yes, for one another, but also for those who are yet far from the Lord. Right? Before we get into what this looks like practically, would we be reminded this morning of this, that we have a need to belong. 
Like that God has built us for relationships. He's built us for community, places to feel safe and secure. We go back to the garden. Like God created this beautiful, hospitable place for us to know him and to walk with him, to be in harmony with, with one another for perfection. We're meant for that. We, we need it. And yet, this morning, we can be reminded that some of us, this is still who we are, but all of us have once been orphans. We have been a, we've not been in the family of God. We've all been strangers, not belonging. We've all been the enemy of God. It's like our identity at some point in your life, until the Lord has rescued you and made you his, was you were an orphan, you were a stranger, and you were an enemy. By definition, all people who do not belong, who are not safe, who are not secure, who are not often sought out and loved, and yet the Lord sought us out. He pursued us, and it was the kindness of God that led us to repentance, Right, like that when we, were, when we were enemies, it was his kindness that said, at your worst, I'm gonna die for you. Romans 5, right? Like that he rescued, you, rescued us in, in the midst of our sin, not on the day where we kind of cleaned ourselves up and, and looked as good as we could, when we kind of didn't sin as much. That he sought us out and he pursued us and he's made us family. This morning, that if you know Jesus then you are either an adopted son or an adopted daughter, that you're part of the family. That you're in and that you are safe and you are secure in it. That nothing will snatch us from his hand. So we see this in God, right? So the people of Israel, they're all throughout the Old Testament, they're constantly being taken off in exile or being conquered by other nations. And these people are not good hosts. They enslave them. They persecute them. They, they hold them down. And yet we see in Exodus is God literally takes his people out of Egypt where they were slaves and leads them to the promised land that God was a host and he provided for their needs. Rescue when rescue was needed. Water when water was needed. Food when food was needed. And he gave them himself. That he was a good host who took care of their needs and gave them an example of what it looks like. There's an expectation then that he laid out for his people, and this is in Deuteronomy 10. He's reminding them of this idea in verses 18 and 19. He ex- he's talking about himself here. He says he executes justice for the fatherless, the orphan, right? And the widow, and he loves the sojourner, the stranger, giving him food and clothing. So, Verse 19, love the sojourner, love the stranger, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. He's reminding them, this is who you were, and so we're going to be different. We're going to love differently because I've loved you differently. Be reminded of who you were apart from me so that you'll look at people differently because of me. We look then at the life of Jesus Right, this simple life. John 1 simply says that he stepped into human history to dwell with us, right, to be with us. We've just celebrated Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. And yet Jesus lived a simple life, right? Like he's not filling up stadiums. He's not telling people, hey, come find me. He's just moving from place to place, community to community, eating meals with sinners, being the host and bringing people in, being the guest and going into other people's homes, 
meeting needs when needs are there. He's healing. He's touching. Right? Those who are separate and outcast, he's saying, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm going to change things for you. He used the circumstances of life to point back to his father often. Right? When the tower in Siloam falls and, and kills people, right? Like he's able to walk through gospel truth and, and big ideas about who God is, and he points and he reminds them and he calls people to repentance. Then when people die, he weeps. And then he shows that he has the power of life over death with Jairus' daughter and with Lazarus, right? Like with his own life. And so we see Jesus living just this kind of like ongoing, constant, hospitable life. And guess what? He's doing it without a home. The home wasn't required, but it was who he was. It was a, a, an attitude of his heart. And then we're just reminded that the Holy Spirit is called our comforter. And part of hospitality is bringing comfort, is bringing encouragement as we meet needs. And so all throughout Scripture, we see feast being mem- like memorialized, right? We, we know that there will be the, the wedding feast of the Lamb that we will all all of those in Christ will attend, where we will eat with our King, our Rescuer, our Savior, right? Jesus is called the bread of life, right? We, we see imagery of wine and of water, all of these things that remind us of, of home and hearth and warmth and belonging, that we have a place to belong. And so we want to be hospitable over entertainers because God has been hospitable with us. And so where, where I want us to end this morning is this, is just walking through some practical things here as to how we can begin to implement hospitality. The first one is this, that we have to start this with prayerful intentionality, right? We don't just run out and say, okay, I'm going to be hospitable today, right? Like we have to be prayerful and intentional. Okay, God, who have you put into my life? Who is it that I can begin to look to, to minister to, to reach to? Look, if, if you feel like, man, this is new to me, I've always felt like hospitality was like a gift that some people had, and I don't have it, and so I'm not a good cook, and so I don't have to do this, right? Like, Scripture doesn't qualify, if you're a bad cook, you can't be hospitable, right? We're called to hospitality. We have made it about home and food only, and yet we see that Jesus didn't have a home, Right, so that we can be hospitable as people regardless, regardless of what we have. And so the first thing we need to ask are, who are my neighbors? Literally, who are your neighbors? Right, like, can you answer that question? And then ultimately knowing that our neighbors are Pampa, right? And so we need to ask the question, are who are the strangers in Pampa? If we're supposed to be showing hospitality and love to those who are outside, to those who do not belong, then who is that in our community? Who is it that would not look at Pampa and say, Pampa is a safe, secure, and loving place to belong, that I'm a part of it, and that I'm welcomed into it, and I'm glad that I am? And to begin to, to reach out and to minister into those pockets and into those circles, right? To remember what it was like to be new, if you've been in, in Pampa a long time, Pampa's not an easy town to be new in, right? So, so how do we who are included, 
reach out to those who aren't. It's a conversation. I'm glad the kids are across the street this morning, right? That, that we're having constantly with, with Carson right now. That with Carson's um, personality that she has inherited from her mother, she is a, a people person. She loves people. And so kids are kind of drawn to like her fun-loving self, which we love. But what it means is that she knows that she's safe and she knows that she's secure and she knows that she has a place to belong. So we want her to begin to see now you have to use that for good. And you have to have eyes to see those who don't. And you have to see, right, like you don't just get to pick and choose what you want to do. You got to start looking beyond, right? Because if you're safe and you're secure, how do you reach out a little bit and draw someone into that, right? That's what hospitality is. And Carson's not cooking meals for, you know, nine-year-olds. But she can be hospitable across the street this morning in the way that she interacts with people in that room as they sit around tables. So Paul writes this. This is in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. Listen to what Paul says here. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us, right? That Paul says, I wanted to share myself with you. Church, that's what hospitality looks like, is it's saying, I don't want to just share the gospel. I want to share my life. I want to share me with you. And so we want to be a church that is hospitable. Not that we say, well, that couple is hospitable, and that individual is hospitable, and this person, that we are hospitable, that we are longing to share our lives with one another and with the strangers, with my neighbors, with those who do not think, do not believe, and do not act like me. So we, again, it's not about house or money. It's about our heart. Listen, people know whether they're welcomed or not. Because you can walk into the nicest house with the nicest stuff and the nicest food and know they don't want me here. It's not about that. And you can walk into the simplest place with no food and have to sit on the floor and know I'm, I'm welcomed here. I am wanted here. I am loved here. So you can be hospitable this morning here. Right? We can be hospitable in the way that we welcome people in. And so for those of you that Redeemer is home, like you've been here for a while, you know where the bathroom is. You know where the coffee is. You know where the kids go. You know that we're not going to start on time. Right? And, and just like if someone showed up at your door and you're bringing them in, you're, you're going to show them, hey, here's where you get a drink, and here's where the restroom is, and here's the plan for what's going on. Right, that you can be a part of, when you see that, like, there's a definite look, right, when someone walks in for the first time, and it's kind of like, and you know, and they're scanning the room looking for someone desperately that they might have some commonality, or like, like, is there somewhere I can hide, you know? Like, it, there's, a, there's a look, and that, that we would look for the look, and be hospitable, that we would be kind, at gospel community, many of you don't actually host gospel community in your home, but you're, you know you're welcome there. You know you're a part of it. You know you're home there. So you have a role when the new person walks in for the first time, when the stranger walks in of sitting there eating and you're like, right? 
Or do you hop up and make sure there's a table, that there's a seat? Do you know where the food is? Right, that you don't leave that just to the people whose home it is, right, that you get to play that role in their home because you belong there, that you're home there. Some of the ways we do this, we're aware. We are aware of people. And then we care about them, right? Enough to engage them, right? To ask them questions, to remember their name, to include them, right? It's not, this is not rocket science. This isn't like deep theological training here. It's like, right, but because we know what it's like to be the stranger and we have been brought into the family, that we then know how to look for the stranger, begin to draw them into the family because that's what Jesus does. And ultimately what's often happening is this, is that you're the hand that is grabbing this stranger's hand and you're putting it in Jesus's. Right? Like you're the link that he's using for, right, to woo them to himself. You are tangibly loving and being the hands and feet of Jesus and reflecting the good character and nature of our Father. So this morning, we have to check our hearts and our motives here, right? Because some of you are running through the list of all the reasons not to do this. And it, it affects how we view our home or your dorm room or your apartment or wherever it is that you currently are. And it has to go from being mine to being a tool of service, something that we can use for the benefit of others. It's not just about my comfort, but it's about how is the Lord going to use this ordinary space for sacred things? Right? Like, it's just like the Lord, right, to, to come into an ordinary meal, an ordinary game night, an ordinary conversation, and just to move, to transform, to rescue, for truth and hope to be spoken. Listen, what we are not, please hear me say this, what we are not talking about is bait and switch. You do not invite someone into your home and then lock the door and turn around and say, it's Jesus time. Right? Like, right, as they start to like crawl, like looking for a window, like they're crawling up the walls, like I, I will get out of this place, right? We're not, we're not talking about like being a used car salesman here. We're talking about legit, if you're a used car salesman, I'm sorry. We're talking about <laughs> legitimately, legitimately loving people. Right, like that, that if we wa- are walking with Jesus, there's going to be opportunities to talk about Jesus. Politics give us reason to talk about Jesus. Suffering in the world give us reason to talk about Jesus. Hope in the world gives us reason to talk about Jesus. Babies give us reason to talk about Jesus. And original sin, right? Like, we, we, we can talk about parenting does, marriage does. Like, all of these things do. We have to earn the right to be heard, which means you shut up and you listen first, right? Because Rosaria Butterfield says this, that strong words with weak relationships or is actually violence. It's why the internet is so offensive, because people are saying these really hard and hateful things, and they don't know you at all. And so it comes across violently. And if we're not careful, the church has been known to do this as well. Right, where the church will stand up and say, we have some things to say about that. And it comes across 
like bigotry and hatred and violence because there's no relationship. We say, oh, we love you. You haven't shown it. What we're saying is hospitality is a way that we begin to bring in those who are different than us, and we trust that the Lord does what only he can do, and he saves and he transforms. And that it doesn't mean that we're affirming of what's going on, but it means we're, we're, we're allowing them to be heard. We're earning the right to share and to speak. Church, one of the biggest reasons we want to be hospitable is people need to see real Christian ordinary life. So when we were serving in Yemen, one of the things Yemeni believers would say to us is this, is they're like, look, we, we can read the Bible, and we can find theological training, but we've never, there's no generations above us where there's just godly marriages or godly parenting or godly relationships or how to do it at work, like, because there, there isn't that. And so, like, we need to get in your home so we can just see what it's like when, when, the, when the wife is short with the husband and how he responds graciously to her. Or when the husband comes unglued with the kids, right, and then repents of it. Like, we need to see, like, the stuff, like, the real stuff of Christianity. Hey, guess what? We're, we're, we're getting there, too. Because there are a lot of families in Pampa who there are no married parents or married grandparents, where there's no godly influence, where if, where if you ask them, hey, what marriage would you like to build yours on? They're like, there's not an answer. They've, they've never seen what it looks like to just do this for a long time, pursuing Jesus in a marriage, in singleness, in financial difficulty, and in financial blessing, in sickness, like, They've not seen how do we pursue Jesus, not just on Sunday morning in the sermon. Um, in case we've made it sound too good, this is going to be inconvenient, <laughs> right? It, it, just, it just is. This is why we have to remind, be reminded that God has been hospitable to us first. It's going to be easy to say it's not for me and to make a ton of excuses, because it's going to affect you, and there's going to be some tension, right? You need to have this, like, don't lone ranger this. If you have more than you in your home, don't do, do this by yourself, right? You've got to have a conversation, right? You don't just show up and say, hey, I've got the week lined up. We've got six suppers this week, right? That's not, it's not going to go well, right? There's going to be some issue there. This will affect your kids, Right? And one of the reasons that people don't do it is they're afraid of, well, I don't want bad influences on my kid. Bad company corrupts good. But we believe that the gospel transforms. That our kids are going to see tangible expressions of love. That they're going to have opportunities to hear people's stories and their struggles and see how the gospel actually affects it. That they're going to see opportunities for evangelism and discipleship. They're going to get to see people do it together. And so if you're thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I couldn't even know where to begin. Then you grab somebody else and you say, okay, let's, let's do this together. The two of us, the two families, we'll have one family over. If you don't know, like if conversations are emerging with your neighbors and you're like, I don't know what to say, it's okay to say that. I don't have the answer, but let's find out together. 
I know, I got, we'll find it, we'll figure it out. We don't have to have all the answers. Because guess what? what? What did Peter say in 1 Peter 4, 8, 9 is love covers a multitude of sins. And if people know that you love them, they will look past your cultural faux pas, your, your bumbling over words, your lack of answers, if they know that they are loved. And one of the ways that we grow most is not when we're being taught, it's when we're having to teach. And that we're able to go, oh, I gotta find this out, I gotta figure this out, and I gotta go find the answer because someone's asking and depending upon me to have it. And then, finally, would you be willing to be the guest as well? Because hospitality is a two-way street. And a lot of us are comfortable having someone in our home and being the host, because we're in control, right? And we, wouldn't, we don't think of it in that manner. But we, we kind of know how the evening's going because we know what the food is, and we know what the plan is, we know how long, we know when our kids are going to melt down. Being the guest, right, is a part of this as well. That we're willing to go and, and, and be in a home where maybe we're not as comfortable in. That is serving food that we're not sure what it's going to be. That we can be a good guest because the gospel comes with us. That you're giving people the opportunity to show kindness and mercy back to you. So here's the thing is, is we were living in the Middle East, Middle East, uh, Middle Easterners are known as being some of the most generous, hospitable people in the world. And so it would have been foreign to them if we had refused their hospitality. It would have broken relationship. So we wanted to be hospitable, but we also had to be recipients of hospitality because the same conversations we were praying and longing would happen in our homes also could happen in their homes. And had we said, no, 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 you can only come to me, then no one would have come. No one would have come. And so we want to be both the guest and the host, willing to walk this. Look, nothing of what we've talked about this morning is difficult. Right? It's simple, not, not hard to wrap our minds around. It's just not going to be easy. But it's the way in which relationships are built, which means discipleship happens. It means maturation happens. It means evangelism happens. And we get to do it together. And so as we move into a new year, I want us to just kind of be thinking through what is it like this year, Lord, who in my neighborhood can I begin to just include in my life a little more often? Who at work do I need to include in my life a little more often? Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe the Lord this morning is laying who, you, who the strangers are in your world on your mind. Right? He's going to call us to pursue them. That we would take hope and peace and love and joy that are found in Christ to a world that needs them. That we would be hospitable because the Lord has been hospitable with us. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes that in the cross, in Jesus' life and his death and in his resurrection, he secured salvation. He brought those who were far off near, made them family. In hospitality, we get to image Jesus by bringing those who are currently orphans, strangers and enemies who are far off. We are befriending them, pursuing them, 
as the Lord has pursued us to make us family. The Lord would save them and rescue them. Church, like how glorious is it going to be this time next year when there are folks and faces and families and names sitting around this room who know Jesus because of simple hospitality? Because the Lord met them there. And how glorious will it be that you're going to start a relationship this, this year that's going to last for years and decades. And there may not be fruit from it immediately, and yet we trust that the Lord's faithful in that. And that we would be a people who would encourage one another not to grow weary in doing the good of hospitality. So I'm going to pray for us. The band will come up here in a moment. We'll, we'll take a minute just to, to reflect and, and ask the Lord two questions. Lord, who are the strangers in Pampa? Who are you calling me to? Right, like that he would check our hearts. And then if you need someone to talk to, to pray with, there'll be some folks in the back that you can visit with at any point. And then we will stand and sing to our King um, here in just a moment. But first, let's pray and let's let the Spirit speak to us.